Welcome to For What It's Worth. There's your cookie. Have fun. <laughs> An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wisconsin, Texas. One thing about coming out to a convention on the East Coast. That's not the East Coast. Minnesota is not the East Coast. Oh. The world's stress is at an all-time high. You probably wish you were at an all-time high. Pull that record. <laughs> we're done. Abort. So huff the fumes spewing from your two sources of fun. I didn't even put it on here, but I know what's coming next. Or do you? Oh, yeah, I do. Root and tugs. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Except there's no Rue. <laughs> oh, there's no Rue and the fire breath is high. Welcome to For What It's Worth, Season 6, Episode 10, Without Rue. Taking Rue's place to someone you've heard before who's not dead. So, guest hosting with me in lieu of Rue is Koru. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. So, tell everyone what you've been up to. This is weird. Uh, not too much. Um, let's see, playing a lot of Pokemon Go. Uh, reached the the big 3-0 on there, and uh, Pokedex is up to, I think, like 140 that I've caught and seen 147, so uh, definitely, definitely getting up there. Um, other than that, really not too much. Hmm. How about you? Um, lots of Final Fantasy uh, 15 now that I've beaten it. It's been it's been good. Um, now I'm doing the after. And uh, that's fun too. Uh, the, man, does, does the game get hard when you beat it though? Like really, really hard. Um, resting, you know, I looked at when we released and it, FC's happened. So uh, FC came and went. It was good. People had a good time. Like cured sobriety. Uh, overall, I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I had to miss out this year again, unfortunately. But I know, I know. Are you gaming at all? Are you playing any games? Uh, Pokemon Go and lots of uh, Kingdom Hearts Unchained. Really? Yeah. Hmm. How's Unchained? It's good. It's good. Definitely uh, um, an earlier part of the story. It takes place about 100 years before um, the actual Kingdom Hearts part one that came out for the PlayStation 2, what was that, 10, 13, 14 years ago now? Uh, 11. Yeah. Yeah. That, I do have 2.8, and I haven't played the Fragmentary Passage, though. So. Yeah, it's nice. There's definitely some spoilers in there that I could see coming up in part three, um, as far as, like, new characters and new worlds, but, uh, yeah, it's lots of fun. Pretty much just game on that. On my phone, that's <laughs> my major gaming platform right now. Hmm. Cool. Well, we, uh, yeah, so Rue's at Disneyland, in case you were wondering. I don't know what he's doing at Disneyland, other than writing rides, but that's where he's at. So uh, we were late, and now that we uh, are back, it just wound up with Rue being gone. Um, but yeah, we had someone, not, I had someone pass away in my family, so I wasn't able to record, so we pushed till now. Um, no one in the fandom. So, no worries there. Not. All right. Well, that's the shortest opening ever, huh? Let's push this yep. button. We 
Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. You have the cookie. I do. So this is unusual for me. I know. Oh, well, he gets mad if we don't do it. So this is what we're doing. I know we could have so much fun without him right now, but we're, we're being good. So this is a Cards Against Humanity fortune. Uh, I, so we, we got through the first box. We didn't actually read all the fortunes on the air. I don't know where the cookies went. Um, and we opened up this new box today because I ordered two because it was cheaper that way. I blame Rue. Well, you know. And uh, the, all the, like half the cookies were busted in there. It was really sad. So this is the first one that wasn't busted. Well, it's busted now. All right. So just read it, right? Mm-hmm. You will find great success and personal fulfillment by joining ISIS in bed with a cookie. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to read those things now with the new uh, new way the world is operating. Oh, do you want me to read <laughs> another one? See that? It's on the back of this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. By joining ISIS. I think they're talking about Archer. They don't call it ISIS anymore in Archer, though. I don't know what they changed it to. Well, but, yeah, they had to change it because... But now it's like ISIL. Like, can we just pick one thing? I haven't seen the last season of Archer. I'm behind. I haven't seen the last. I stopped at Vice. Yeah, um, I kind of skipped over that one. That uh, wasn't a good season. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to Potty Break. This is the song that doesn't end. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. Something and welcome back. Oh, I don't have room to make fun of on this one. I'm not happy about them. Okay, well, uh, today's topic is what grinds your tail or what do people dislike about the fandom? Now, we sent out and asked you for comments and said, okay, don't turn this into a bitch fest. And I think so far this is not a bitch fest. It's more of a constructive gripe, but that's not the same as like, you know, complaining and being nice. There's a difference. I'm trying not to muddy this too much. So we have for the first time in house back, I, I think back from his world tour, our, our guest, you've heard him before in little bits, but this time he's in studio. Our guest is Ron G. Oh my god, hello. How is everybody doing? It is nice to be back in the state of Utah. Were you oh, I'm sorry. I kicked my mic because I have the big feet. <laughs> are you are you, are you you done touring or are you on break? Or is the tour No, over? we are on a temporary break. Then we are going to be heading out to the Israel and then from there to Palestinian territories. And then we have a feeling we are not going to be allowed to come back to the United States of America. But these things happen, you know. <laughs> That's true. Very true. And we do have the internet to talk to you. I can do the phone calls and I can... Just a second. Frozen! No! Shit the fuck down! <laughs> okay, sorry about that. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't fired Susan yet. I can't get into why. Oh, it's a union issue. Sort of. <laughs> Susan has a very nice mouth, too. Oh, wait, what? What are you? <laughs> oh, yeah, what are you? Sorry, this is not I, my normal job, obviously. That is okay. I see you didn't. You had this confused look on your face. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Normally, I work behind the scenes, and all I do is put the buttons, and I don't have to talk to anybody. Um, what am I? Well, I am not a mineral. I am an animal, and I am covered in the purple fur with the white fur bits, too. 
and I like to fox around. So guess what I happen to be? That's right, I'm Ranji the Purple Fox. I thought you were a sparkle fox. Oh shit, no, I am not a sparkle fox. That would be terrible. Can you imagine looking at yourself and seeing like 20 different bands of colors on your arms alone and a tail that goes floof and you have like six of them and you run around saying, hello, I am a Kitsun, but I am actually from from India, which of course, first of all, doesn't even make sense. We don't even have the Kitsuns in India. They are from the Japan. And well, basically the sparkles, it just sucks. <laughs> and how long have you been in the fandom? At least five years. Oh my god, at least five years. At least longer than that. I have been... I can't even count back that far. Back when I entered the fandom, it was basically two things. It was either the foxes or the huskies. Or no, wait. Wait, I'm sorry. Not the huskies. The wolves. That's right. The handsome canines. Um, let's see. Were there any other things in the fandom back then? The foxes, the wolves. No, that's about it. It was long ago. We didn't even have the colors. We were just, you know, shades of gray. 50? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> it's later in this episode. <laughs> huh. And so, what grinds your tail? What grinds my tail? Oh my god. So many things to think about. <laughs> this um, damn show. Well, sometimes you show, yes, because I sit there and I go... Actually, I don't know what I go. You don't even listen. Well, no, I don't, but that's the reason for that is it's all in English, and I, for some reason, can only do the English when I am here. It is a very strange thing. Um, let's see here. What is being grinding my tail? Hmm. Just a moment. I will ask Susan for assistance on this one. Susan! Susan, come here! Are you sure? Okay, I think we have the answer. And that is the jackass furs who are intolerant of people. The jackass furs who are intolerant. That is right. And intolerant I think, in what way? I think we may have an email similar to this subject, so I won't go super deep into it. But, for instance, the males who don't like the females and make inappropriate statements like, Oh, I see your boobs. Ah, I am so scared. What the fuck, man? We are supposed to accept everybody and we'll be friends and good people with each other. We do have an email about that. So, let's jump into it then. Emails. Uh, the first email we have is from Anonymous Anteater. Now, before you read it, Ranji, just so everyone knows, we got quite lengthy emails, so we did have to execute some editing to shrink it down. We hope you understand, but we've tried to keep the spirit of what you're saying alive with potion. So, take it away. Yes, we keep you alive with mouth. So, again, we don't take anything out. We just kind of edited and, and trimmed it. Actually, I did it, so I did a really fucked up job. Get it? I did a pun there. Okay. <laughs> anonymous Anteater's email. Hello. Disclaimer. I am hoping to remain anonymous solely for the fact I am still dealing with some things that I would like to admit has really been grinding my tail for quite a bit now and would not like to be shunned by these people in the future. That said, long-time listener, first-time contributor. Would love to hear from your fuzz butts about your take on this situation. Oh, they like a fuzz butts. That is one thing I love about the furs. <laughs> what grinds my tail about the fandom is how many makers refuse to work under even the most lax of deadlines and seeming hero worship of specific makers and artists. Mm. Now I like to think I am a patient and understanding commissioner. I'm also very much guilty of here. That's like how we speak in India. I'm also very much guilty of hero worship when interacting with the artists I have followed around for a while. I like supporting artists and I like collecting art for my characters. Who doesn't really? You know, I would love to do that. I have no arts of me. Really? I don't. 
Oh. I need to get some some Renzi out someday. Or pose for a picture, I don't know. Uh, let's see, where were we? Oh, yes, getting out for the characters. And I've gone out of my comfort zone and commissioned some lesser-known makers for a partial suit. When commissioning them, every contact page I found was covered in a notice from this certain person that they don't accept deadlines of any kind, which I respect and decided I would commission them anyways because I love their work, but in my books, this is strange, and I cannot help shaking that red flag feeling. This is not a unique case. I have seen by any means during my time in the fandom. I am sorry, sometimes I screw up when I am reading the documents. However, in any fandom or business model in general, aside for the furries, I have not seen this before. So I guess what I'm really getting at is the overall tone of this fandom and its interaction with the makers and the artists. For me, more often than not, it feels like the commissioner is bending over backwards to please the person doing the work. If another business unrelated to the furry fandom were to run like this, with no deadlines and seeming customer service, sorry, customer service, maybe even outside the art community, I would think it wouldn't be as successful. I also want to mention that I have equally found people, in my humble and possibly incorrect opinion, running a true business which respects and treats the customers as humans. But to wrap this novel up, have any of you else noticed this as well? Am I just being too sensitive and or indigent? It's, it's weird, okay. Am I just being too indigent? sensitive? Indigent. Well, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Your English language is very confusing to me. Am I just being too sensitive or what? Not sure on this one, but would love again to hear your input. I hope this finds you well and sincerely wish you all of the best. Anonymous Anteater. You get privilege of first response. Oh, shit. After all that ducking, I have to... You can pass it. You just get the option. Jeez, I should have brought something to drink. I did not realize we talked this much. Uh, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, it drives me up a wall that so many people take the commissions are like, oh, no, I don't give you an, an end date or I will get to it in a week or two from now. And then a week or two from passes and then you give them another two weeks and then you get in contact. They say, oh, I will upload it tomorrow. And it does not happen. This happened to me recently, which is why I do not have the artwork of the character. I commissioned them, and they kept pushing me off and pushing me off, and I finally demanded a refund. So I totally agree. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Mr. Koru. Oh, I, I totally agree, too, um, because I, I think there has to be some sort of accountability there. Um, you know, just to, you know, if, if it, well, I can't even talk. If it's, uh, you know, not only... You know, for the person that's commissioning you, but also for yourself to keep yourself accountable, have a deadline, and um, things just flow a lot better, in my opinion, um, if you you know have that timetable. I don't know what world people live in where they think that putting up a sign saying "I'm not going to accept any deadlines" is any way to actually be taken seriously. Like, I don't care if you're God himself making the fursuit or whatever you worship. That's not an excuse. That's basically putting a sign up that says, I don't want to be accountable for anything. <laughs> you, like, you would be yeah. surprised how often it is, though. You'll see the really? disclaimer that says, well, with a suit or especially with art, it says, no, I do not work to deadlines. I do this in my own time, blah, blah, blah. And it is like, no, 
I hired you. I paid you. Do my fucking art. Give me an ETA and stick to it. Be professional. I see artists complain all the time. Oh, furry artists are not paid enough, which I agree with. But then half the furry artists out there, well, probably less, but it feels like half, do not work to a deadline. Do not send works in progress to you. They just have this attitude like, I am the artist. You do what I want. You commissioned me, but I don't work for you. No. <laughs> I was just like, I'm sorry. I, 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 you're right. You're right. I'm just, I'm trying to imagine. Like, I've always been like that with my, with artists and people like Michelle. I'm like, when do you? When? What's your current average turnaround? And when can I follow up with you? Like, it's the first thing I ask. You know, mm-hmm. like, like I, I, I make room for life to happen by asking it that way because shit happens, right? But at least we agreed upon when I'm going to be able to ask, and no one's going to be like shitty about it. You know. Uh, what about the hero worship thing? Mm. It is pathetic. It happens, and then they white knight these people when someone complains, which is sad. If you want to love your favorite artist, go for it, but people go too far. It's kind of like celebrity worship, except we don't it have is. a tabloid. We don't have a tabloid yet. Can you imagine if we had a tabloid? That'd oh, no. Terrible. Right? Like I'm t- I, I know. I, I can only think of one or two first makers, but it's like, so? Good. You're in demand. And, and some yeah. of them let it totally go to their head. Uh, yeah, and act like they are a prince or princess walking around. Oh, I am the best ever. I do not talk to you. You are too little for me. Oh, jeez. Okay, so one and two is hero worship and artists that don't make deadlines. Expectations, everybody. All right, I, we have another email, I believe. Yes, we do. I'll read this one. It's from Kira. She says... Hey guys, it's me, Kira, and I know it's been really long since I sent in an email, but life has gotten in the way. Well, that's a topic for another day. I sat down and thought about what in the fandom really annoys me, but honestly, I couldn't think about anything right away. I would say the drama, but then I would be lining because even though it can be annoying, most of the time I find it ex- exciting like soap opera. If there's something that I really hate, it's the entire one I've seen so many people display. The world revolves around them, and absolutely everyone must agree with them what they have to say, and absolutely no one should point out the stuff they do wrong. It's a subcategory of drama, but it's what bothers me. It makes me want to write a children's book and title it You're Not Special and hope to keep at least more of them from showing up in the future. Kira. Uh, I don't know if that's exclusively furry. Um, I, I get it, though. Like I, I, I'm starting to see it creep in more and more. Now, I think, I think Utah's is unique in the sense of a lot of things, but one of them is this entitlement thing that I keep hearing about has not been as prominent here or I'm not hanging out where it's happening. But I am seeing it increase a little more. Um, sometimes what I do for a living, I have to interview people. And the gall of some of these people, they walk in and think just because they asked to be interviewed that they're going to get a job. And that's like, that's not how that works. Like, you you actually needed to to bust your ass a little bit. Um, and and then you pointed out... Um, but there are a lot of people in the fandom that say, you know, don't point out what I do wrong. And I can think of certain drama going on at certain conventions uh, where this is going on right now. And they're like, no, we're entitled to your opinion. You can feel any way you want. That's fine. The way you feel, all the times so you don't have a con- have control over. It's what you do with those feelings that matters, you know? And if your specialness is impeding on other people's ability to live their lives, you're not special. A book coming from Kira. Passing to you. Yeah, I agree. The entitlement uh, definitely is something that people need to work on. Um, Case in point, I actually um, know of an artist 
and I'm not going to say their name because I'm just not going to. Um, basically, I used to work uh, with their cousin. And so I tried to relate to him. It's like, oh, hey, man, I, yeah, I used to work with your cousin. You know, how's it going? And just basically looked at me like I was an alien and that he really didn't have the time to speak to me. And it's like, wow, dude, really? You, I mean, you're going to have that kind of attitude when I'm just trying to relate to you. You know, I'm not going to put you up on a pedestal. Sorry. Uh, I totally agree. Um, first of all, you need to write this book regardless of the fandom because people need to know that. You are not some, as I hate to use the term going around nowadays, but you are not a special snowflake just because you exist or just because you have artistic skill or whatever. Be a good person, treat everybody else good. That's about it. You know, and it sucks when, like you said, you try to relate to somebody or find a common interest and they just blow you off because, mm. oh, I, I don't have time for you. You are, you are nobody. You are not this other famous special person. Yeah. I have something to share. Like you're not giving me money. Why do I need to talk to you? You are my friend. You are special. You are my friend. Oh my God! You are special to me. You are the only one like you, like you, my friend. I like you in the daytime, in the nighttime. <laughs> what? Oh, I miss you, Fred. You are a wonderful person. <laughs> I know. You took his mantle. When he when he sang that song, he was saying that you are unique, but not that you are privileged, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think we can sit here and harp on millennials all night, but let's move forward, shall we? Ranji, I think you do have the next email. This is from the other, and that is the letter is D E, not the initial D. So we're not giving you the other. <laughs> very important to note. Very important. Thanks for reading my email. You are very much welcome. Although there are a few furry fans who do things that irritate me, and some I just don't like, I'm not going to blame the whole fandom for them. As a whole, I like where furry has been, approve where it is, and I have confidence in where it's going. But one trend that I see now and then does concern me. I hate it when furries encourage trolling, cringing, painting. I hate it when furries encourage trolling, cringe baiting, and that kind of thing. I am talking about the fans who give trolls and they like a forum in their little corners of the internet. There's a certain part plant canine that comes to mind. That's really bizarre. I don't see it very often, thank goodness, but when I do, it drives me nuts. As the old internet truism goes, don't feed the trolls. Thank you, D. Trolls are assholes. You do not feed them. You do not engage them. If you need to, block them and go your way. I hate the trolls. People who get off on that are fundamentally broken on some level of psychology. That's a good question. Um, Nuka couldn't make it for various reasons, but I think he will be making an appearance on one of these breaks, and I wonder if that's going to appear in his list. It's your turn. What, what do you think about oh. it, Mr. Kuro? Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I agree, obviously. Uh, don't feed the trolls. Um, even people who are like... who troll trolls it's like I, I understand you know you have a fun time doing that but you're still just being a troll yourself and so that kind of feeds uh the fire so to speak so yeah just... I, I have to guiltily admit i do that sometimes and it frustrates the head <laughs> usually to the point they give up because i'm really really good at trolling the trolls to basically tell them to shut the fuck up so you get the same mm -hmm. the same jollies out of this that's what you're saying except it's to a troll 
except to the troll, right? I let this person start it, say something completely outrageous. If I come in and see it, then basically I decimate them with the facts, with the truth, and basically my liability to just decimate an asshole. It is like punching a Nazi. I have no problem with it. <laughs> I want that to be the next Zelda game. A Nazi punching gallery. Jeez. Okay, so let's see. uh, Recap. We've got um, worship, deadlines, special snowflake syndrome, and trolling. Okay, that's the first four. We are going to go to a break where we have... I'm not sure about space news, but we have things, and then we'll be back. Hailing Frequencies Open, Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Wednesday, January 18th, here are your space headlines. On Saturday, January 14th, SpaceX launched their return-to-flight mission, the Iridium Next mission. Ten satellites were deployed into their target orbits to provide service for the global satellite phone provider. On top of a successful flight, the company saw their seventh successful landing in total, the fifth on their landing barge, and the first time they landed on the west coast. These landings are looking less and less experimental, so much so that SpaceX's first customer to fly on a flight-proven Falcon 9 now has their mission on the books. That flight will take place out of Kennedy Space Center in late February. I cannot wait to see a Falcon 9 refly, then land for a second time. Recently, JAXA attempted to launch a modified sounding rocket, adding a third stage for the potential to put a small payload into orbit. If successful, this style of vehicle could open the door to low-cost, low-weight payloads like CubeSats. Unfortunately, there was an error very near the end of the first stage's burn. The signal for the second stage to ignite was never issued, so the rocket fell back to Earth, landing in the ocean. Brings back memories of the Super Stripey that was launched from Hawaii back in 2015, but suffered a failure during ascent. I really want to see more sounding rockets pushing the limits and possibly putting small payloads into low orbit. I think it could open up access to low-budget experiments that can't afford to rideshare on things like the Atlas V. Alright, wherever you are, you'll probably want to sit down before you hear this. And you'll probably want to put down your drink before you do a spit take. Are you ready? Alright, here it is. Buzz Aldrin, the second man to ever walk on the moon, is going to turn 87 this Friday, January 20th. Pretty great, right? No? You thought it was going to be something more outrageous? Alright, I can do you one better. During the week of February 9th, New York will be hosting an event called Fashion Week, which I'm sure a lot of folks who listen to this don't really pay much attention to. What's that got to do with legendary astronaut Buzz Aldrin? Well, he's going to be a model in it, specifically for Joe Boxer. That's right, the second man to walk on the moon is going to do a turn on the catwalk in designer underwear. And to add to that, the event will be narrated by none other than famed science guy himself, Bill Nye. I so want to see him channel his inner diva and show some sass. Imagine an 87-year-old American hero who punched a moon landing denier square in the face being too sexy for the catwalk. From boxers to batteries, we go up into low Earth orbit to visit the ISS. Recently, astronauts completed two spacewalks that helped them get ahead of maintenance checklists for the station, but their primary goals were to swap out the old nickel-hydrogen batteries with brand new shiny lithium-ion packs. The smaller, more energy-dense packs will provide the station with all the power it needs while on the dark side of the Earth. They're replacing the old nickel-hydrogen cells before they can begin to break down. This makes a lot of sense. The nickel-hydrogen batteries preserve their energy capacity only when they're drained fully, then charged back up. Lithium-ion batteries, on the other hand, see their useful life maintained as long as possible by staying charged up as often as possible. So when you're not using it, plug your phone in to keep it topped off. 
it'll make the battery last longer over the course of its life. Since the station spends half its life in darkness and half in the light, batteries are essential, but you never want to see your batteries fully deplete on station. That means your station is completely out of power, or very nearly. And that's a very bad position to be in, both for the science on board that needs power to run and be stored, and for the humans on board that need the life support systems to be operational all the time. It's a smart decision to go with a cell that benefits from staying charged. Not that long ago, ESA took delivery of an engine built off the same designs of the old Space Shuttle orbital maneuvering thrusters. Those are the two smaller nozzles that sat just up above the three giant main engines. They ran on hypergolic fuels once the shuttle was on orbit to make plane changes, course corrections, and of course the re-entry burn. They even kicked on near the end of ascent to help give the shuttle a little extra push getting into orbit. What does ESA plan on doing with this engine? It's going to be the main engine for the Orion service module they're developing. That's right, the legacy of the shuttle continues to live on. Not only are the RS-25 shuttle main engines going to power the SLS, but the same design for the solid boosters the shuttle used are going to be used on the first stage as well. And now, the orbital maneuvering system is making a comeback as well, serving to push Orion deeper into space than any manned craft has gone before. I love that we keep using legacy hardware to do even more incredible things. Finally, a bit of sad news. On Monday, January 16th, the last man to set foot on the moon, Gene Cernan, passed away from apparent natural causes. No information regarding the cause of his death has been released at this time. He was 82 when he passed away and left behind a pretty significant legacy. He was the second American to perform a spacewalk aboard Gemini 9A, then went on to become crew for Apollo 10 and 17. Apollo 10 was a lunar orbit only mission with no landing, but holds the record for highest speed attained by any manned vehicle reaching 39,897 kilometers per hour, or 24,791 miles per hour, on its return leg from the moon. Apollo 17 saw him command the mission and successfully walk on the surface along with civilian scientist Harrison H. Schmidt. It was Cernan's third and final trip into space. After NASA, he went on to ultimately become a great communicator on ABC News and Good Morning America. He wrote several books, including The Last Man on the Moon, co-authored with Donald A. Davis. I highly recommend you read it, or watch the documentary on Netflix that shares the same title. There's so much more to this amazing man who served as our final ambassador to another world until we can return and follow in his legacy. We have now lost half of the Apollo astronauts who walked on the moon. I want to see a man land on the moon or Mars before we lose the very last one. It's vital we do this as a species. I'd like to read for you Cernan's final words just before he scrawled his daughter's initials in the dust on the lunar surface, then climbed back into the limb to return to Earth. It's likely he didn't write them, but they were his words to say, and I can think of no better send-off for the man. Bob, this is Gene. I'm on the surface, and as I take man's last step from this surface back home for some time to come, but we believe not too long in the, into the future, I'd like to just say what I believe history will record that America's challenge of today has forged man's destiny of tomorrow. And as we leave the moon at Taurus Litro, we leave as we came, and, God willing, as we shall return, with peace and hope for all mankind. Godspeed, the crew of Apollo 17. That's all this time. For more on space and space-related matters, check out the social media for all the agencies and companies mentioned. And don't forget to check out my long-format podcast, Committed to Launch, at committedtolaunch.com and at launchcommit on Twitter. If you've got a question about space, send it on in. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. 
Hello, this is Moss Stevens. Did you know that listening to For What It's Worth will decrease your hate of the fandom by over 74%? Did you also know that over 47% of statistics are made up? Wait. Oh no. My entire life is a lie. You're listening to For What It's Worth. Alright, and we're back. Thank you so much, Moss, for that ident. That was pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It was something. <laughs> I, I would like to make a request. As, uh, as I've gone through life, and this is not a dig on you, Moss. As I've gone through life, I've, I've heard people say, did you know this thing? And they sound, it sounds legit. And then they always end it with, did you know X percent of facts are made up on the spot? It's funnier if you don't do that. <laughs> not that I'm a comedy king or anything. Not even close. But then how do we know if it's not real or, or if it is real? Google. Really? The Googles? The Googles. How do you know if it's true? Well, you put it in the Googles and then you go to Wikipedia and whatever Wikipedia tells you is the truth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pretty much. Right, okay. yeah. So before we start reading more emails and getting back to the topic, we have to do this. Today's episode of For What It's Worth is brought to you by our lovely Patreon patrons who give us money for some strange reason. Because this episode is late, we're counting it for January for our Patreon patrons, which means for his next mention, it's, guess who, Oaken, the new face on your game of Guess Who, <laughs> from Hasbro. Wait. Thank you to... Hmm? Wait, what? Yeah. He, he, so he was... What is this Guess Who? Tell me more about your Patreon and how it works. <laughs> If you want to donate to For What It's Worth because you think it's worth money, after you've gotten your head checked, go to patreon.com slash fwiw and then give us your money. We use it to do things like pay for our hosting, pay for our episode costs because they're not free, and various other things like Nuka's microphone. That sounded pretty good. I'm really happy with that. That did. I know. Okay, back to emails, shall we? So, um, next up, we have a recording. Uh, it didn't come to our voicemail, sadly. Um, but it did come to us through a file. So, I will play it now. Hello, for what it's worth. This is Dronon with an audio letter. I'm not quite going to talk about things that people don't like in the fandom. Instead, I'm going to talk about how we have different ways of looking at the fandom, and if something makes you angry, you can use that as a tool to analyze yourself and minimize drama. Furry is a way to take a break from the stress of everyday life. When we get together online or at meetups, we create a kind of furry reality bubble where we use our own version of social standards. In everyday life, it's not normal to dress up in a fursuit. In furry fandom, it's completely normal. To some people, it's even a counterculture, a place where we can outright reject the rules of everyday life. For example, normally you have no idea what the sexual interests are of a complete stranger. But if you visit a furry's webpage, their turn-ons can be the first thing you find out about them. But we don't always turn things upside down. We bring things into the fandom with us, like enjoying gaming or giving to charities or having a sense of discretion. Well, sometimes, anyway. 
When it comes to attitudes like that, furries can vastly disagree with each other. To some furries, being furry in a certain way is so important to them, it can be part of their internal philosophy, their personal sense of self. So if you get angry at another furry for some reason, it can get misinterpreted, not as anger about some small part of them, but as a personal attack on, on their entire identity. What does furry mean to you? This is very important to understand if you find yourself disagreeing with another furry. I don't mean the obvious stuff like I like the art or I like the community. I mean the assumptions under the surface. Should discussions of all fetishes be equal or should some be discussed with a little more discretion and tact? There's no right or wrong answer here. If you have a particularly strong opinion, that's something that furry means to you. On a more disturbing philosophical level, if there's no consensus on what furry means, can we even have a useful discussion about it? Can we care about furry as a whole, or do we only care about parts of it? What happens if we don't care? So if you need a simple rule, follow what's known as Wheaton's Law. Don't be a dick. Even if in the end you might have to agree to disagree. I would rather have a fandom with as many diverse mindsets as possible, even ones I disagree with, with none of them outnumbering each other. The more people in the group that think the same way, the less healthy I think any fandom becomes. We need extravagant, in-your-face people. We need the prudish, hey, keep it to yourself people. And we need all the different subtle points of view between the extremes of whatever scale you can think of. We need tolerance for the more tolerant and for the less tolerant, even if they would never give you that toleration back. You don't have to accept or like everything about furry fandom. My friend Marlos compares it to a buffet. You pick and choose what you like and who you choose to sit down and eat with. If there's people you don't like, give them some space. And if they're not respecting your space, you need to let them know. And we can all help each other in lots of little ways. It can be as simple as tagging images and stories online so people who don't want to see certain things can easily avoid them. Or find them more easily. And don't snark at other groups pretending that you're a comedian saying things like, Ooh, you're a girl. You're straight. You're Christian. You're a baby fur. Because that's being a dick. In the end, if something in the fandom makes you angry, try to understand why. The personal reasons. The more you do it, as time goes on, you get a better understanding of different points of view. And that makes you a better and more broad-minded person. That's all for now. Have fun, and keep things furry. Thank you so much for that, Dronin. And definitely uh, good advice to live by. Um, great message about tolerance. And he's right, you know, a lot of times if people get unnecessarily angry at things, it's, you know, there may be deeper issues. So sometimes you kind of have to take a step outside of yourself and, you know, to really realize or really see what's, what's actually there, what's going on. Good message. Do do claws enthusiastically up. <laughs> I have to I have to comment in the sense that um, so we have the for what it's worth Telegram group, and everyone in there is actually pretty tolerant to the point where it's a really chill, relaxing place. It's almost like furry Reddit, but not on Reddit. If that makes sense, like with the quality. I know Reddit is does have bad parts, but you know how like I feel like Reddit has a lot of quality conversation on there. Like people actually can debate things in at least the Reddits I look at. I was going to say, they actually talk on Reddit. They don't just post the pictures. 
Well, I mean, it depends on the channel, but yeah. Oh, yeah. that is fascinating. Yeah, but no, everyone is really cool in there. Like people, like today earlier, people were debating um, the merits of creationism versus um, Christianity, and like I mean, people had their opinions, but they were all very cool about it. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's actually really neat that our room is like that. So, uh, if you need a nice bastion of serenity, then check out the Telegram chat. I don't know how this turned into an ad for that. I'm going to read this email from Phoenix now. Thanks, John. Um, Phoenix says, Dear Tugs and Rue, I saw that the topic on this episode was what irritates people in the fandom, and I, for one, would like to discuss one thing that bothers me in the fandom, how baby furs are used as scapegoats for hotel cons being canceled Rainforest, which was not actually vandalized because some non-baby furs didn't have... Or sorry, which was vandalized because non-baby furs didn't have enough self-control to not vandalize and destroy hotel rooms and flood rooms, causing water damage and ripping up the flooring. The fandom was having a bad name then and a general reason why we can't have nice things as a result sadly i still see and hear this from time to time in the fandom but mostly after rainforest was cancelled for the foreseeable future as a baby for myself i find it troubling how in the fandom we are blamed for things going wrong at cons which i find unacceptable seriously the fandom doesn't need to be playing the blame game another thing that bothers me about the fandom is the drama dear god there is so much more drama in the fandom for over 50 seasons of every soap opera on the air that's all I can think of for now at the moment, but I hope this team will provide some thought-provoking conversations and discussions on this episode from Phoenix the Fox. That is an interesting phenomenon that I have witnessed firsthand. Uh, Rain First came out eventually and said that that was not why it was canceled, yet people still want to believe what they want to believe. What the hell? <laughs> Your cognitive dissonance needs to end. I know that it's not pleasant, but it needs to end. You know, you it's nice and easy to blame people because they're in a group that you may or may not personally like. It's not healthy to do so, though. It, it's important to keep an open mind because that's how we progress as a fandom slash society. And doing this easy finger pointing because you're ashamed of someone in your group who may be the bad guy and shifting the blame somewhere else is not the right thing to do. Nuke has talked about this before, but that's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah, and to add to that, you know, instead of blaming other people, you know, if you see something, don't just keep quiet about it. You know, actually say something. We're here as a fandom, and we need to hold each other accountable. And if that means maybe being a bad guy because you have to tell somebody to knock it the fuck off... Um, then, you know, so be it. You have to do that every once in a while. And I think a lot of people are just afraid to. Or, you know, they don't want to make uh, enemies or, you know, I don't want somebody mad at me. Well, you know, you staying quiet kind of, you know, may ruin the experience for everyone else. Like Rain First, for example. Yes, I would say I agree. Speaking on the Rain First issue, uh, I think there's multiple factors that happened. And, of course, they mentioned many of these in the letters. The only time I could see anything that could be supposedly quote-unquote baby fur related was the photograph sent around of the guy in the leather bondage gear wearing a diaper in the lobby. Aside from that picture, how can people say anything about that had to do anything with the baby furs? The baby furs are treated like the furries are of the sci-fi fandom and the geek fandom. In our fandom, they are picked on. I know many baby furs. I am friends with many baby furs. It's not for me, but who gives a shit? If they like it, if it gives them enjoyment, back the fuck off. They are good people. Um, so that part I totally agree with and understand. Uh, what was the other point here? Oh, yes, the drama. Oh, my God, the drama. What the hell is wrong with the peoples? We are not in junior high school or elementary school anymore. Try to grow up. 
Try to act mature. Try to stop being an asshole. Be a fucking adult. <laughs> oh man, so true. So true. Alright, Ranji, you think you have the next email, which is another anonymous. But first of all, I love when you're talking that whisper voice. Oh, it, oh, yeah. it gives my first uh, the shivers. It makes my tails up. <laughs> yes, mine's so poofy right now. It's amazing. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, this one's from the Anonymous and not the hacking group. I got really frustrated with the furry fandom a lot at the time because of rampant sexism I encounter. The fandom is extremely LGBT friendly a lot of the time. Almost all of the time. If you just read LGBT friendly to mean gay friendly. But we get things happening like people making really unsavory sexual comments at me or my mate at conventions. Lesbian sex and furry art is still mostly portrayed as object only and there seems to be a lot more female directed humiliation than male directed. It is my understanding that a lot of the gender gap or sexism problems in mainstream world is due to the artificial divide between the genders. The fact that we are taught to socialize separately and not cross the two worlds so men and women have trouble understanding each other and it seems to me that unlike a lot of other subjects that specific problem perhaps even due to the fandom having such a gay component is actually as bad or worse than the mainstream world from anonymous i did mention this earlier too nothing pisses me off more than and i'm sorry to, to point out to my gay friends on this one but it seems the only place i see it you have the gay men going, oh my god, no, the boobs, or oh, the vagina, it has the teeth, get away from there, why would you want that? You know what, why would I want to suck a dick? I don't want to, it's not my thing. So back the fuck off, people are different, girls are different, boys are different, we have other genders as well. Like I said before, accept everybody. Don't be a jackass, if you want me to accept you for being gay, then you should accept the straight people or the lesbians or other groups for being what they are. If you can't show the same respect to them, you should fuck right off. <laughs> there we have it. The end. <laughs> we can close the episode. <laughs> no, but you're right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll admit, probably 10 years ago, I was like, oh, vaginas have teeth. And I was like, oh, look, a vagina, right? It, it took a certain amount of growing on my part and realizing that's not okay to do, right? I got, I got ripped a new one. And, you know, I'm looking at this email and so many things are coming to mind, you know, it's one thing that comes to mind and I'm not, and I'm not trying to excuse this behavior, just simply providing some context. Uh, if you go watch Nuka's video, I can't remember the number he gave out, but most of the fandom is predominantly male. There are, there's, it's changing, but a lot of, at least for the commerce, the art, the commissioning and stuff that comes from males. So a lot of the output, the visible things that people interact with mentally are male driven which can lead to people behaving in certain ways now that doesn't make it right you know here's the thing is i've in my years i've come to appreciate women a lot more um to the point where it's like i want to hear how you're thinking because you think so differently it's fascinating it's you know but not in like an objectification way and so like i've i've, I've been trying to be more welcoming and going against this trend because I was on the other side of it and I realized that's probably not a good thing I was doing. So that's what I'm saying. Besides, Margaret would kick your ass if she found out that you were being a jackass. We were all dumb in our early 20s, right? No. Oh, okay. You I was dumb in my teenage years. That's like the the, the extra teenager, like 2021? 20, no. 
I, I got I got smart about seventeen. That's when I stopped smoking the when it wasn't ganja. ganja? We, no, no, no. We were in India, so it was the um the oregano. Yes, smoking oregano. <laughs> I am sorry. What do you have to say, Mister Kora? Um, as far as like the like what you're saying, you know, oh, vaginas have teeth and and all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, it's it's kind of amusing to think that, but I come from. Uh, much more of a medical background. Um, my mom was a nurse. You know, I've had multiple surgeries. I've taken surgical classes in college. So to me, looking at a human body, it's just a human body. I mean, there's really nothing that offends me. It's, you know, what I feel in my head that makes me drawn to, you know, a specific thing, obviously. But the, I don't know, the human body just doesn't bother me. I've seen it all. I've worked at a hospital. It, nothing really grosses me out. I just may not be into certain things and that's that's kind of it I, you know what i wonder i wonder if people who go oh vaginas have teeth with that kind of that way that wavelength of thinking go mm, a penis and like oh they definitely do where they just are like look an object i like and an object i don't like right and then because the fact it is a female in the instances we're talking about they act to a complete extreme Going, oh, oh, no, get it away from me. I don't know what that's in. It's kind of like, oh, my God. Do you think a woman's going to care if it's a gay dick whipped out in front of her while you're changing to go swim or something? No. They're not going to be, oh, my God, that would be an attractive dick. But since you are gay, fuck it. Get away from me. It's disgusting. <laughs> can I make one caveat? You can. I don't know if I will accept it. I don't want to hear about periods. I just don't. Like, can I just say? I, I'm a straight fox. I don't want to hear about the periods. <laughs> Like, like, I don't know what it is, but like, women like to tell me, oh, I'm on my, I'm on my period. I'm like, I don't mind knowing that. It's, I don't want to know. anything else. Oh, I can feel, oh, yeah, it started. I need to go to the restroom. Like, don't is give me like any more details. Is there a tone that like, there's period. Like, what is that? There was a news article, and, and this is kind of to the subject, but not really the show's subject. Um, a, uh, it was a woman working at a, uh, a fast food restaurant somewhere, right? And she was working there, and I guess one of the customers... Nope, nope, I don't want to know about this one. This is about the burger, isn't it? Yes. No, it is fucking disgusting. Yeah, she basically put period blood on somebody's burger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's Ew. not joking. Yeah. This, this, this happened was like, here? No, 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 this happened like two weeks ago. It's yeah, in the national I've... news. Shut the fuck up. Absolutely true. You can look it up on the Googles. Well, mm -hmm. while I'm looking that up, I was going to counter my own thing. Hold on. Um, period burger? I, Google's gonna like go, are you interested in period burgers? Well, it will probably say the phrase ew, menstrual blood. Ew! Yep. Ew! Ew! I don't, yeah, it's real. It's real. Gross! Um, please don't put your blood on any burger, no matter what body part it's coming from. Uh, no, I was gonna say, so I said, I don't want to hear about your period. However, in my, in my anti-defense, I, I raved about this, or ranted about this to my therapist, and she said, you know what? I don't like having a period either. It's dumb that every so often I have to bleed in order to be a fertile person. So if it's dumb for me and I have to suffer it, then you have to suffer too because you're getting some more humans out of it. So 
that's how it goes. She's not getting humans for me. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's how we perpetuate as a species. You're in on the pain with me. We think it's dumb, too. No, it's natural. I don't mind being told it's happening. But I don't need details like consistency and things like that. Now, of course, <laughs> this, well, is all, heavy flow. this is uh. all because we haven't had to deal with it. For them, it's a, you know, a monthly occurrence. They don't really give a shit most of the time. But I also don't want to hear about somebody's um, emirates, you know. Oh, my, my asshole is yes. giant. Oh, my, I have a prolapsed anus. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear this. know if those are exactly comparable but i get what you mean <laughs> okay that one exception that one one just formal request ladies i know please don't tell me i will respect everything else about you to the best of my abilities and continue to improve just please don't tell me the details about your period that's all i want if if they let me know but only for the purpose of having to tiptoe around them like because they be that they, they may be a little true. bit more emotional i actually do appreciate that but oh, yeah. that's all i need that's all i need right yes be- because we are lucky we don't have something that completely fucks with our hormones for five to six days every single month it's true no we're, we're fucked up all the time so for us it's more of a normal oh we are fucked up them oh i'm nice i'm nice oh fucked up get away from me i'm i'm nice it is not their fault and anybody who blames them for it is also an asshole Okay, I'm, I'm, that's as long as the show's ever going to discuss vaginal periods. As opposed to what? Nose periods? Anal periods? <laughs> there's only the one type of period. No, stupid there's grammatical periods. This is the problem with grammatical periods are a thing. They're at the end of a sentence. If I could get up and slap you from here without <laughs> making tons of noise, I would do that. I'm going to read Lyric's email now. All right, he says, Hi, Cass. Lyric the Green Raccoon here. I wanted to write in on this topic, what grinds your gears in the fandom? Because there has been one particular thing that has become such a norm that not involving substance to chill is now the norm. Of course, I'm talking about weed, marijuana, pot, etc. He didn't put a period at the end of that sentence. I understand that both (laughs) marijuana and alcohol can assist as social lubricants to help break social anxiety. But what grinds my tail is that we seem to have a majority that are incapable of hanging out without getting high first, and I am not one of these furs. I don't think I'm the only fur that doesn't care to smoke that that has noticed this and feels the same way. Rue, who's not here, tugs and guest, what do you think? That's me. Is social lubricant to get high at every gathering being used in excess? What are the benefits? What are the trends, negatives, themes you've noticed often with daily use? Note, I am aware this is a touchy topic. I also want to make it clear I don't think marijuana should ever be illegal. And I also agree with those who use it with the law around marijuana is beyond harsh and out of line. With that said, discuss. Um, this is a hard one. I, I, I wish marijuana was legal for a variety of reasons. Um, I have smoked marijuana. I don't smoke marijuana all the time. I think I drink more. And for some people, I can see that being the social lubricant. Now, that being said, if I'm using booze as a social lubricant to kind of just get myself into a place where I feel a bit more relaxed, I'm not drinking the whole bottle of vodka. You don't need to necessarily have the whole bowl. Maybe you just take a couple hits, take the edge off, move forward. That's different. That's called moderation. And I don't know if weed is necessarily being abused more than other things people like to use in excess. Um, but I, I know what he's talking about because it was really easy at Rainforest to go, well, it's all the potheads. Okay, but was it all the potheads or was it a whole bunch of other things? We have a whole episode on that. Um, 
but yeah, I see it all the time. And I don't know. I, I wish I could give a better answer. I'm passing the opposite way now to Ranji. Okay. So, um... Is pot legal in your homeland? No, it is not. Okay. If you want to be executed, you can probably get it and smoke it. That's why we stick to the oregano. We cook with it. Yep. It is, in India, it is legal for one day out of the year. It's a big festival that, that, they, that they have. I'm surprised you didn't know that. He's been traveling for years. I've been, uh, yeah, I've true. been on the road. True. I have that bitch following me everywhere. <laughs> no, stay seated. <laughs> I cannot believe him. Anyways, in my youth, when I lived in the United States, many, 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 many years ago, I may have smoked a weed consistently for many years. Dad said, it is sad people need to smoke the pot or drink the alcohol to socially interact. If you can't just do it normally, you might have a problem. Not necessarily saying you're alcoholic, but the fact that you need to work on your social skills. Now, to smoke the weed nowadays, if it was legal, it would be nice because it can help you sleep. It can help you deal with stress. It can help with the pain-killing. Um, but... It does seem to be a trend happening at a lot of cons. People think, oh, I'm going to the con. I am going to be drunk as fuck the whole time. And, oh, it happens to be in this state. I am going to smoke the weed the whole time and smoke as much as I can or get lots of edibles. Why do you have to be wasted to have a fun time with people? Go ahead, Corey, and then I'm going to pass it out. I agree. And there was uh, a time in my life years, uh, years and years ago when I did smoke habitually every single day, multiple times a day. And... Yeah, it was kind of good and fun, you know, as young, but I find that I'd wasted a lot of my time, and honestly, I don't remember a lot of that time either, and so that's really a downside, because I know that there were parties that I went to, I know that there were people I met, and, you know, I, I, I just don't remember them, and so I don't really see that being as um, as cool to just, I don't know, be wasted, be drunk the entire time. Because, I mean, if you can't remember having fun, what's the point of even going in the first place? Indeed. Uh, so some statistics. Um, in 2015, 43% of Americans had used cannabis, which increased to 51% in 2016. How they get this number? I don't know. 12% have used it in the last year. 7.3% have used it in the past month. This makes it the most commonly used illegal drug in both the world and the United States. So with that in mind, we can probably assume that carries down in those numbers at a minimum to the fandom. So keeping that in mind, here's some more context for Lyrics Letter. Now, I just happen to know this, um, but a lot of the times uh, it's, uh, it's very common in, in Seattle for even the local Fermi's people need to have a hit before they can do anything else. Like it's like the ritual, right? And I've noticed it seems to be particularly prevalent in the Northwest, Portland, Seattle, um, I, I don't know if San Francisco is necessarily Northwest, but it probably goes down about that far. It's kind of like a like the the hippie movement, the counterculture, all that stuff. And so I don't know if it's a if it's just a difference in that region or whatnot. But it's definitely I feel like when I go up there, it's like someone somewhere is going to be hitting the bong. And I don't get that when I go to other states, you know, mostly in the West, but in, and I don't know why that is. So does that change your response any, if you take it out of the convention context? For me, not too much. Um, back in back in the days when I was still a pup, I used to play the RPG games with my friends. And this was after I had stopped smoking. 
but they still all smoked. Every hour or so, they would pass the pipe around with all of them. And it was just annoying. It's like, okay, so you're not here to play the game. You're not even here to socialize. You're just here to smoke the fucking weed. You know, and that's what I think a lot of people using a lot of it or more of it or having to have it as a social lubricant multiple times during the time period. They have that problem. Now, if you want to take a couple hits, have fun with your friends for four or five hours. That to me is totally different. Just like drinking a beer here or there during the evening at a party as opposed to taking a fifth of vodka and just drinking it constantly. <laughs> oh my God, I know people that do this. <clears throat> so if that's your point, yes, I totally agree with you. I think if people use it in moderation, a little bit here, a little bit there, I don't think it's a problem that they do that before they go and socialize. I think you should be able to have the funds without having to do that. I usually restrict myself to drinking on the weekend. It makes it easier to chase down and kill Susan. (laughs) (laughs) And get up the next day. Yes, and get up the next day without any regrets, but sometimes feeling very sore. (laughs) As for the Northwest, it's true. That's where most of the pot came from when I was a youth. And so I think lots of people do smoke it there more, but why do you have to smoke it at every occasion? Why do you have to go, oh, we just smoked this up hour later. Oh, hey, let's go back in the room and smoke some more. You don't fucking need to. You're either buying shit pot, you have too much immunity to it built up, or you just don't know how to socialize without a pipe. So, here are the last statistics I'll give. In 2013, daily use for pot is associated with a 10 to 20% rate of dependence. 42.4% of people have withdrawal symptoms when they try to quit marijuana, and you're two to three times more likely to be in a car accident with marijuana as opposed to alcohol, which is 6 to 15 times baseline. That last one's an interesting statistic because somebody who's smoking pot most likely is not going to go out driving. You're going to be sitting <laughs> in the chair eating the Cheetos or eating a Pop-Tart. You get couch and if you do go out in the car, trust me, you are driving slowly because you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I just want to get to the Seven Eleven, get a big Slurpee and come back home. So maybe what we should ask someone is... Do people have bad social skills in the Northwest? Corey, do you have bad social skills? Maybe delayed. I can um, answer this one. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You are a good person. But um, Don't beat him. Yeah. But, I mean, living in and around, you know, Salem and Portland for um, bet- the better part of a decade um, definitely is one of the more common uh, activities when, when g- gathering with friends. And it's not just taking a smoke here and there. It's just... Every five minutes, the pipe has to go around. And after a while, it's just, okay, I mean, can we actually do something? Because <laughs> there's only so much you can do and smoke before it just gets boring. Now, I will say to bring it back to the alcohol, in places like Utah, it really was not ever much the weed, but there was a lot of beer. Back, back in my days when I was a little pup and I would sometimes visit places in the States, particularly Utah, I don't know why, but it happened. Don't question. We won't. Having keggers was the big thing. I think it still is. I don't know. I don't go to the parties. I am not part of the young hippity-hoppity crowd. (laughs) But so I think each area has its own thing. But like you said, every five minutes, every ten minutes, oh, I want to take another hit. Pass the dochi to the left-hand side, or however the song goes. It's true. Okay, it's time for final break. So... Um, to add this to the list, 
let me just give you the updated list. We have uh, Worship, Deadlines, Special Snowflakes, Trolls, Tolerance Issues, Scapegoating, Drama, Sexism, and Marijuana Abuse, which I didn't spell marijuana right, but it doesn't matter. Were so, you smoking some weed before you wrote that? No, unfortunately not. So we're going to go to break. We have 50 Sheds of Grey, and then we'll be back. You're listening to For What It's Worth. Brought to you by For What It's Worth brand insurance. When you're looking for a gecko to save you 15% or more, that's not us. Life is full of unpredictability. You could be struck by lightning the second you walk out of the house. Your automobile could suddenly transform into a terrible monster and begin devouring the neighbors. The lady of the house could decide to redecorate using the brand new for what it's worth brand flamethrower, not intended for indoor remodeling. There is honestly no knowing what could happen next in your wild, exciting, adventurous life. Why not take out some precautions against some of these things? For what it's worth insurance can help you with that. Our policies cover a wide array of things. Worried that carnival folk will suddenly appear in your house and steal all of your toenails? We've got a policy for that. Concerned that those low-down backstabbing volcanoes are going to try to sneak their way into your town? We've got a policy for that. Has Timmy's werewolf condition flared up again and he's shredded his clothes for the third time this week? We've got a policy for that. And has he suddenly discovered he fancies his best friend Jack rather than Lisa? Oh, have we got a policy for that. Thousands describe our rates as modestly affordable. No one can top us, unless we let them. And our customer service is second to none. Just listen to this testimonial. Uh, for what it's worth, insurance is, uh, well, it sure is. Wow, now that's high praise indeed. For what it's worth, brand insurance. It'd be a real shame if something were to happen. And now for today's secret code. 16. 1. 25. 25. 15. 21. 18. 16. 18. 15. 20. 5. 3. 20. 9. 15. 14. 6. 5. Five. Good luck. Hello, and welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. Picture this. You're working at a furry convention. Specifically, you're a staff member who's been assigned to the logistics team. Your team is responsible for setting up, moving, taking down, and storing all of the con's materials. You need to set up the chairs and tables, move equipment from room to room, and help clean up at the end of the convention. And let's say there's 10 of you on this team. Now, it's the last day of the con, and your team has been asked to start tearing everything down and putting it into storage. Dozens of boxes and hundreds of pounds of stuff needs to be moved. You see everyone else on your team shuffling around, moving boxes and equipment from here to there. My question to you is this. How hard are you going to work? And be honest with yourself. Would you be working as hard as you could? As fast as you could? Or do you think it's slack off a bit? 
Do you think that your answer might be different if you were the only person responsible for cleaning up? If you found yourself thinking that you'd probably slack off just a bit, don't feel bad. You're definitely not alone. In fact, your response is pretty much in line with what researchers and engineers alike have known for decades. People tend to slack off when they're in groups. Social psychologists call this phenomenon social loafing. It was first observed almost a century ago by French engineer Max Ringelmann. He noticed that when laborers were working in groups, their total output was only about half of what he would have expected if he added up the amount of work they could each do if they worked independently. In other words, the whole was far less than the sum of its parts. Decades later, psychologists like Alan Ingham and Bib Latane and others would go on to show this in a series of ingenious social experiments. In one such experiment, the researchers set up a fake tug-of-war. Participants would stand beside a thick rope with a force meter attached to it, and when they pulled, the researchers could measure exactly how much force they were putting on the rope. Now, here's the trick. The participants in the study were blindfolded. The researchers convinced them of one of two things. They convinced half of the participants that they were pulling on this rope by themselves. They convinced the other half that they were standing in front of five other people who were all pulling on the rope behind them as part of a team. They then instructed the participants to pull on the rope as hard as they could. What did they find? Well, the participants pulled 18% harder when they thought they were the only ones pulling on the rope. Or to put it another way, when participants thought that others were pulling on the rope with them, they put in 18% less effort. Researchers have found similar findings in other studies too. In one study, six participants were brought into a room where they were told to put on headphones. Loud noise was blasted through the headphones, making it impossible for them to hear the noise that they and the others around them were making. The researchers then gave participants instructions to make as much noise as possible at certain times, telling them to shout and clap their hands as loud as possible. However, sometimes they were told that they were the only ones in the room making noise. Other times they were told that everyone would be making noise. The researchers found that when they thought that they were the only one making noise, they were 33% louder than when they thought that everyone in the room was making noise. In other words, people again put in less effort when they thought they were part of a group. Interestingly, when the researchers asked participants afterwards if they thought that they were louder in one condition or the other, the participants thought that they were equally loud in both conditions. They didn't even realize that they were loafing in the group condition. Dozens of studies have found the same results. People are in groups, they put in less effort. But why? Well, it's because people aren't dumb. The ideal strategy when you're working in a group is to free ride on the effort of the group. When the group does most of the work for you, you get all the benefits of their work without having to put in much effort yourself. It saves you energy and exertion. And we can see this in action using a real-world example. In this case, farming practices under communist regimes. During the Soviet era, Russian farmers worked together on large collective farms. However, they were allowed to have small private plots that they could work themselves. The result? The private plots, which made up only 1% of the entire country's land, produced almost 27% of the country's output. In other words, farmers were loafing when it came to working on the collective farms so they could save their energy and effort for their private farms. 
So we know that social loafing is a thing, but how do we reduce it? Psychologists have a few tricks up their sleeve for doing this. First, make everyone's contribution transparent. Studies show that people are less likely to loaf if you can track their individual contribution. For instance, you don't get social loafing in relay races when each racer's time is recorded. In these cases, people can't get away with loafing because the group will find out and probably disapprove. Second, people are less likely to loaf when they think their contribution is essential. If the task is very challenging, or if everyone else on the team is incompetent, or if you're the only person on this team with a certain skill, you're not likely to loaf. This is because you realize that without your contribution, the whole team will fail. This sentiment will be familiar to anyone who's worked on a group project for school and realized that if they didn't take over and do most of the work themselves, the whole team would fail. And finally, research suggests that people are less likely to socially loaf when they're in a group with their friends or people who are important to them. In other words, we don't like being a burden to those we actually care about. So how can we apply social loafing to the furry fandom? Well, it's relevant to pretty much any task that involves group effort. For example, no one can run a convention by themselves. It takes dozens of people working in a group to make a convention run smoothly. The same goes for administering online forums, running local meetups, or even just cleaning up after a party. All of these things require group effort. It's important to recognize when you're part of these groups that you're probably prone to social loafing yourself. And if you're a leader, be it a con organizer or an online admin, it's important to be aware of social loafing and how to reduce it. By making everyone's individual contributions apparent and by fostering friendships within the group, you can considerably reduce the amounts of loafing that goes on. Giving people specific tasks and recognizing their individual efforts can ensure that the job gets done faster and everyone puts in their fair share. The take home message is this. Whether we recognize it or not, we're all prone to social loafing. It's not that we're bad people or that we're lazy. Situational factors incentivize us to slack off and let others do the heavy lifting. If we care about the end goal, whether it's putting on a good convention or keeping an online forum running smoothly, then we should probably be aware of social loafing and do our best to both cut down on the amounts of loafing that we do and create situations that reduce the potential for social loafing all around. This has been a quick look at the psychology of social loafing. I'm Dr. Nuka, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. This production, the production values in this series are second to none. This is... Fifty Sheds of Grey, the furry edition, season two, You Asked for More, episode five-ish, sure, why not? All right, we're going in hot in this one, ladies and gentlemen. Tea now, Miss Steele, she asked. Please, I smile at her. I feel slightly more confident now that I'm dressed. Apparently, she was just talking to random people while not dressed. That works out perfectly. Would you like something to eat? No, thank you. Of course you'll have something to eat, Christian Snaps, glowering. She likes pancakes, bacon, eggs, Miss Jones. 
Yes, Mr. Gray, would you like, sir? Omelette, please! And some fruit! He doesn't take his eyes off of me! His expression unfathomable! Sit, he orders, pointing to me to one of the bar stools. It's really the only way that you can read this book. Think of this as being, like, the ultimate combination of wrestling, monster car rallies, and barbecue slathered hot dogs. The, the dialogue in this book is really what gets you that fourteen ninety five value. I want you to know that. Because most of the page is actually blank. It, they spend much less on ink when the sentences are, Have you bought your air ticket? Okay. No, I'll buy it when I get home. Do you have the money? Yes. Yes, I do. Thank you. Seriously, like, 70% of the page is just empty when dialogue is as you wish. No, good. I'm a man of means, Miss Steele. I'm fully aware of that, Mr. Gray. Is he joking? Hey, why not? We all gotta save money these days. If we just decide, hey, we don't need ink anymore... Just flip to the next page. Ooh, this one's got one of those umlaut thingies in the center of the page to break up the space. That's even less ink. I said umlaut. All right, and we are back. Definitely hope you enjoyed that little snippet of 50 Sheds of Grey. I know I always do. You are getting better at this as the episode goes on. I'm a quick learner. All right, so we have a pretty good list going on of uh, all the different things that are grinding people's tails. Worship, deadlines, special snowflakes, trolls, tolerance, scapegoating, drama, sexism, and marijuana. So... What grinds your tail, though? I don't know if mine's on the list or not, but I think the biggest thing that grinds my tail, other than the drama, are the fakes. The fakes? The fakes. The the fakes? Fakes. What's supposed to be describing what the fakes are? The... You're talking about, is this posers? Yeah, um, basically people who, it's like, oh, I'm going to get into the furry fandom just so I can be a rebel, or just because it's different, or just to piss off my parents. They, you know, and it's it's not just the furry fandom. People do it in all sorts of fandoms, because maybe they're just trying to get, you know, get back at their parents, or just trying to showboat when they're not really into it, I guess. Does that make any sense? People who appropriate the fandom but aren't actually a part of it. Yeah. It makes sense. I, I will say for myself, I don't know of anybody I've ever encountered like that before. But I totally relate to that because the people who do like, where it's like, oh yeah, I am so hardcore. Oh, I know this and this. And you say, oh, have you been to AC yet? AC, what is this being? Yeah, I, I guess. Um, I guess it's just, it's kind of hard to explain. I've, I've, I've talked about it in previous episodes. Um, but just the people who, I guess, you know, perpetuate that whole, um, like, tearing up the con, you know, uh, damaging hotel rooms. It's like, I don't think that your heart is really into this if this is the way you really think it should be. Or do you just... The people who are purposefully asshats, I guess. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I, I mean, those are people that I see that don't really take the fandom seriously. And those are the people that are kind of ruining it for the rest of us. If that, does that make sense? Okay, so that's what really grinds my tail. For me... So there's things that grind my tail, but that, like that are are petty, and I don't really I like they they bug me, but not enough to actually give a shit. If that makes sense, like you know, it's just like a little dumb thing. Like I what grinds my gear that I just get over is people who need to change their species every five days. Like, like look, man, you do you, and I'll do me. You make it really hard for me to keep some kind of container around you in my head. If today you're a dog, and tomorrow you're a rat, and then you're a bird, and then you're a lizard, and then you're a different kind of dog. Like, can you... I, I, I don't know. Like, whatever. I, I'll, I'll accept you for who you are. I've got bigger fish in my life to fry. I wish, though, that you could just pick one. Maybe two. I've changed species once. Everyone gets to do it at least once. I think it's fair. It's fair. Everyone starts as a fox, and then they leave, right? <laughs> No, that's a stereotype. Um, but you know, settle settle down at some point. Um, but on a serious note, the things that that grind my tail, it's not that there's anything in particular that has been so egregious in the fandom that I just hate it. Like I think all these complaints are legit. But for me, the thing that grinds my tail the most about the fandom isn't the fandom in anything it's doing. It's that the fandom, still for me on some level, is. Of such an accepting ideal place and my own hangups become more obvious to myself and remind me that I'm imperfect and it makes me feel inadequate and that grinds my tail which is really weird sounding now that I've said that aloud it sounded really good in my head um, but it makes a really good mirror and that grinds my tail that's what I should say that makes sense like it's not mm-hmm. all about me but it's like I, I realize oh, everyone's having fun at this party I wish I could do something to be feeling like I don't give a shit about whatever they're talking about you know like being cool and uh that sucks but i'm working on it so final thoughts ranji rhino dodge let's see here um be good to each other treat each other well stop being sexist bastards and um <laughs> oh and punch a nazi <laughs> okay well then let me push this button <laughs> And it's time for this. All right, we've pulled the zipper down. It's time for the mailbag. This is where you talk and let me open this. About what? Tugs. I don't know. Let's talk about anything. Tugs is opening a letter. Uh, this is from Rive. Rive sent us a letter from the Russia. And I'm trying to open it. I've kept it sealed because this is just an actual letter. Do you want me to go find Vladimir to come read it? No. Okay. Look at this. Look at this. Notice. Okay. So is this a book? Wow. This is a. Well, this is a lot. Okay. I gotta. I gotta take some stuff out of here, and we're gonna all do this together. So here, Cora, I'm gonna give you these postcards Ranji I'm going to give you these postcards and then I'm going to keep these postcards and what's in this it's, it's it's not a book it's I don't know what would you call this like a folio type thing it has a binding on it like a book but there's no pages inside there's just you can stuff papers in here that is fascinating I've never seen this so it, it, it's a card it's just a super card okay so on here um, there's drawings that says 
notices your card. Uh, that's a drawing of, I think, Rue and I. Tugs is eating a mic. Oh, whoa, what's this? Please don't judge. Oh my god, these are cute cards. Oh, this is a moleskin thing! Okay. Uh, here's what it says, and then there's a whole bunch of uh, stuff inside. Dear Rue, Tugs, and the rest of For What It's Worth crew, 2016 wasn't very good, was it? The horrible elections, political unrest worldwide, celebrity deaths, wars, fursuiting, and fur affinity hacks all contributed to making this year particularly crap. It was also a time when many of us felt a divide among ourselves in an awful lot of ways, be it political or whether or not the dress was hashtag white and gold or hashtag blue and black. Blue and black. And you guys had to deal with heavy personal issues as well. My heart goes to all of you, especially the wonderful Koru. And so many people feel like it's all doom and gloom from now on. Oh, this actually does have pages in it. But it's not the end of the world, because we're all still here, despite the horrible events. You can't say that planet Earth is blue and there's nothing you could do, because unlike Major Tom, you are not suspended alone in space. You are among people just like you. Things could be much worse, and there's still a lot of ways we can improve the situation. As long as all of us calm down and come together as the fandom, as society, as the world, help the poor, donate to charities, rally for human rights and peace, volunteer to work at a shelter or on or in an orphanage, we should still be united in our will to make good. And if we support one another and stand up for somebody when they're in trouble, we will definitely survive. Don't lose hope and be strong no matter what happens. Dot, dot, dot. Um, I'm going to read the rest of this after we look at what's in the, in the, that was in the book. Because there's still another page. So, Cora, what did you get? So, there's also, a, it looks like a bunch of uh, postcards. And a few of them are actually furry themed. And they are in Russian, so I can't pronounce it, but I do know it says Happy New Year. What's this say? Let me see it. It says Happy New Year. They are incredibly no, cute. the top one. Just the top one. It says... <laughs> I can't even pronounce these... Syllables. <laughs> oh, there's something written on the back of it, though. Yes, it is. Furry stuff. Names. Oh. Okay, what else did you get? Oh, that, that's all you gave me, or just a bunch of postcards that oh, say. Oh, you're supposed to describe them. Oh. So oh, you're supposed to. I handed them to Koro to look because they're just so cute. Oh, okay. Well, I'll describe know. these other two. So, this one is, I think it's a fox and uh, is it another fox uh, pushing. This is. Oh, these are from McFurryStuff.ru. Um, and I, I was gonna read this as if it was something I could read. A fox opening a chest uh, for Christmas. Well, it's also from Furry Stuff. And that's, so this one's from Imanika. The sled pushing. Is from Chernaya, Pantera.Furnation.ru. I didn't even know Furnation.ru was a thing. Unless it was the original Furnation. Um, author Knocked Mind, aka Knocked Nathan, is the On the Moon Christmas tree. Oh, you've seen those, right? Yeah, okay. sorry. I got inverse. Okay. Yep, and then the two I have, uh, they honestly look like Coca Cola ads because it's kind of done up in that same art style uh, but one is just a, a couple of children playing in the snow with skis and another one is of a building i assume it's a oh, a, a well-known building in russia but i cannot read that all i can see is that it says happy new year huh okay and ranji still has a couple no one of these is a tiny uh Tiny little card of this cute lion with his tongue sticking out, looking through the box. 
And I think it says furry surprise box in the Russian. And then there's another one that's the furry furrystuff.ru and furry surprise box. It says, what is furry stuff? This is a commission surprise gift set of furry collectible items. Some are pakriafted. I'm sorry, crafted. I cannot speak the Russian, sorry. <laughs> Want to know more? Visit our site and order there. Or contact us and we'll be happy to help. We accept PayPal, our site and contest. Furrystuff.ru slash en, furraffinity.net slash user slash arfi, A-R-F-I, at furry underscore stuff on the Twitters, and on Telegram, telegram.me slash furrystuff. And these are just, they are so cute. They really are, though. Here's what else is written in this teeny tiny Moleskine book. I didn't originally plan to write such a campaign speech, to be honest. To make up for it, I decided to send you guys some festive postcards. Three furry-themed and two Soviet-themed. Aha! Coca-Cola is Soviet-themed. The furry ones are from a local furry store. They were There's a furry store? Oh my god, we are all moving. I know, I just... I, <laughs> furry store? Uh, they were drawn by Russian furry artists Nok Nathan, Imanika, and Yoshi. The sellers also threw in a sticker and an advertisement pamphlet. You can have them too. Well, thank you for the ad. We did. We just get spam from Russia. It's cool spam. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's foreign. I like it. You know, if spam is this cute, I will deal with the spam. I write disclosure. I'm in no way associated with them. I just like the postcards. Uh huh. Here's to a better 2017 and to more for what it's worth. You guys are still my favorite podcast, and I enjoy every episode you put out. Thank you for your hard work and dedication. Wish you a wonderful holiday season, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. You're late because of the post office, but we accept it late. Love y'all. Stay fuzzy. Um, something in Russian. That means good luck. Something else. Oh, that's your name? P.S. No lobster throats this time. <sighs> Tugs on Lumio. Hang in there, buddy. And good health to Rue. P.P.S. Sorry for the ink smudges. I'm a South Paw and had to write in a glove. Otherwise, the card would look like Kandinsky. Sent from my postal office, XOXO. Moleskin, what a hipster. Okay, so now that you've heard us talk about these visual things that you haven't seen, they are going to be on the show notes page. Uh, I'm not going to upload the full resolution, like super high-detailed copyrighted pieces of someone's art, but you'll see a spread of the postcards. I like the, the Soviet-themed ones. Those are neat. I mean, they're all really neat, but now that I know these are Soviet-themed, it's like extra cool. Well, that is why there's the red star on top of the building. Oh, yeah! You could probably tell by the Russian writing on it. I, I. Anyway, <laughs> everyone just jumped. <laughs> I swear, for a radio host, sometimes you are very slow. I'm doing a hundred things over here, man. Okay, the other thing we got in the box um, is cookies. Core recover for me. He's reaching for a box. He's reaching in the box. He's opening the box. He's opening the box. His box is open. He's now gasping. He's pulling out the box from the things. Oh my god, it is. Oatmeal raisin. Oatmeal raisin. This one's be careful because these are broken. One of these bundles broke. Oh, the bundle it broke. It is all the way from the Union of of non-Soviet. No, this is from California. Oh, I'm sorry. I do not know what the hell I'm talking about. Apparently. Oh, more of these. So we've got air bubbles. And, wow, there are cookies everywhere in this box. Okay. More oatmeal raisin. They were really rough on this package. I'm telling you. 
Okay, so this is like a mini Oldo Raisin. Oh. Snickerdoodles. There's that. I have heard of this mysterious food called the Snickerdoodles. And but it looks nothing like a drawing. I'm going to reach down to the bottom and hope that there's a third kind of cookie in here. Uh, no, it looks like it's all Snickerdoodles. So if we find an extra one in here, TG, that we don't talk about, that's why. Sorry. Okay. So these cookies, now that I've been hollering from a distance, um, are from TG. I think he sent these to us before, Tim and Grizzly. Um, he's, he baked them. I know he baked them this week, and he shipped them as fast as he could to us. So these are pretty fresh. So bite in. We are doing a revised review. Corey, which ones do you have? Well, you gave me all of them. Okay, but which one are you going to try first? Um, well, only the snickerdoodles because I don't like oatmeal raisins. You, I know, and I'll, I, I will seal up with some of the oatmeal raisins for Rue. I, I am respectfully passing because right now I am so chubby and I am very much watching my diet. Oh, okay. Do we need a guest? Hey, yes. hey, studio audience, do you want to have a cookie? Audience on the couch, okay, come over here. So Eat some shit. This is our studio audience. He's making his way over to the microphone. Ranji, if you wouldn't mind sharing, he's just going to lean in sure. there with you. Hello, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Hey. Get close to that mic. Good. Eat it. <laughs> Come down, put your lips almost to it. See how close I am to that? You can do it. Don't worry. I will not turn over and kiss you. I am not that kind of fox. Hello, hello. This is Ochu from the Dominican Republic. You know me, the artist. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so to pick a cookie and eat it. Koru's having the snickerdoodle, and he currently has, he's currently eating. He's masticating furiously. oatmeal raisin. Since nobody is sharing love for it. Koru is still eating the cookie, which is a good sign. Yeah. The snickerdoodles definitely are very, very, very good. Now, are they soft or crunchy? Uh, they're a bit on the crunchy side. Okay. Were these in a Ziploc bag, by chance? No, they were wrapped in paper. Ah. Yeah. So, just a tad bit dry, but still eatable. Edible? Eatable. Yeah, it's eatable. I think the term you're looking for is nomable. Yes. That way we don't discuss, is it edible, <laughs> eatable, <laughs> I edible? Hmm. You're going to kill me with these snickerdoodles, man. They're good. And what are you thinking of the oatmeal raisin? The oatmeal raisins are really good. They're a little bit chewy. A little bit chewy? Yeah. That is probably the raisins. I do not know. Or is it all of it? Mm. It's all of it. Mm. Excellent job for making the cookies for everybody. They all appear to be enjoying them very much. Mm -hmm. They're really good. What is your favorite kind of cookie, Ranji? Oh, that is a hard one. Let me think. Okay, well, there's the Oreos. You like Oreos? Oh, I love the Oreos. Especially the creamy filling inside. Sometimes I just put them apart enough to slowly lick the white filling. Wait! You like the triple-double, though. Triple-double Oreos? Sure. The double-doubles? Double they have double the double-doubles? Yeah! America is the best country on earth. <laughs> no, I did not know you had those. Um, so I like those, I like the snickerdoodles, I like the, the, uh, the cookies, they are oatmeal, but they don't have the raisins, they have the chocolate chips. Those are really good. You have a, you have a local bread store here that makes these gigantic oatmeal chocolate chip cookies that, oh my God, it's like an orgasm for the mouth, but less salty. Mmm, <laughs> can you hear me crunching? Because I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nabisco Oreo Triple Double Chocolate Sandwich Cookies. Oh my god. They are double stuff. 
three wafers, one cream, one uh, one cream that's cream, and one cream that's chocolate. So it's like the Big Mac. So vanilla. <coughs> so wait, it has a thin, it has a thin one in the middle. Mm-hmm. No, that is too much cookie. You do oh, not you want it in there. No, I, it works. I just want the two wafers and the creamy filling. That's why I do normally the double stuff. Please don't take that out of contents just because I am a fox. Now here's the fun. One serving is one cookie. One cookie has 100 calories. That is all. Only the 100. I so think it's 120. So you can have a package of Oreo Thins or one triple-double Oreo, but you can't have both. Exactly. <laughs> Punch the mic. No, these cookies are delicious, TG, as always. Thank you for sending them. I know that Rue will be very happy to have those when he gets back. But seriously, man, these are amazing. It means a lot you send them. You know mm-hmm. what I think you should do? Mm. Eat all of them. And send them the empty and just box? Put a f- no, just put a few crumbs in a Ziploc bag. And when Rootsy gets back, say, Oh, we are so sorry. We love the cookies so much. They were so good. And it's just, oh, we couldn't stop eating. Or, conversely, if he does not hear this before then, put them in a bag, put them in a proper storage place, and still do that joke to him. Say, hello, we are so sorry. There was lots of cookies, but everybody here ate them all. Just leave a raisin in the bag. And, oh, my and God, yes. Crumbs. crumbs, one raisin. <laughs> And draw a sad face on it. <laughs> Do you want to read the last email? I can give it a shot. Okay. Let me put my cookie down. Thanks again for the cookies. All right, let's, let me see how well I can read. And this email, or was, wait, it was an email, wasn't it? Yes, it was. All right, this is from Kira. It says mailbag, period. So I listened to the episode about abuse. Mm. And it honestly just made me think about my last relationship. It was very emotional. It was a very emotionally abusive relationship. He used guilt and threatening suicide to get me to do what he wanted. I was with him for about six years out of pride, uh, more than anything, and I honestly hate thinking about him even now. I used to be so self-conscious and scared, even that at the beginning of my current relationship, I am still getting better. Uh, But there are still some things that will still make me remember him. Things that... Things that they tell us... Things that they tell us... Yeah, things that they tell us... I'm reading like Rue. The things that they tell us stay with is for a very long time. Things they do to us stay with us forever. So I really don't have anything positive to say about it. It does get better, but we can never forget. And yeah, that is absolutely true. Being in a couple of bad relationships myself, um, however, not quite that bad. um, You know, it is definitely things that we do keep with us. And there are a few times where, you know, you may question yourself and... Uh, a lot of times you're even scared to, you know, even make that leap to the next relationship in the first place. And so it definitely can be hard, especially in a relationship like that. So um, my heart definitely goes out to you. That is uh, not in a good position to be in, but I am glad you're out of it. And, you know, you do say that, you know, it does get better and it certainly does. But, yeah, never uh, forget those hard times. 
Anything, Ranji? Uh, just totally agree. I've been lucky enough to never been in a situation like that, but I have many friends who have been. I think the only thing I would add to that is ultimately, almost every time I've had a friend or known somebody who was in a situation like that, you do have some friends you can turn to who will support you, who will be there for you, who will listen to you. Just because you've been abused, which psychologically will then make you hate yourself, will make you think any mistake made, somebody's going to come down on you for it, that, that you are useless and worthless. It is not true. There are people out there who will love you, who will support you, who will help take care of you, and will help you get through it. It may only be two or three friends that you actually have that are real friends, but they do exist. I think you hit it on the head. Uh, you never do forget, and that's okay, because that's how you learn. You don't make the same mistakes. You learn and grow stronger. Yep. Okay. That's it. Now it's this. Have you commented on the site yet? It's time to be reminded in... Housekeeping! <laughs> he looks at me. I look. I point at Koru. Okay, bring it in. And he looks at me and goes, what? He's still what? doing it. No, seriously, what? Wait, we don't know what's going on here. Okay, so it's housekeeping. So the things we always tell you at the end of every episode. First, comment on the site. Why? Is there is there another read up there? Read? Why? It doesn't say why on here. It just says comment on the site. <laughs> Obviously, you don't listen to the show. You comment on the site because it makes it look like people listen. Comment on the site yes. because if you don't, we feel sad. That's a good reason. Yes. Um, you know, this thing says thanks to support cast, so I'd like to thank Rue for um, whatever. Not being here? Yeah, for not being here, and Firebreath for doing his lines. And for me attempting to host. Um. <laughs> okay, before you cut away, I have to ask a question. What? The person who did that little an- announcement there, who's obviously not Tom Baudet. It's Firebreath. Where's Firebreath from? Because he Canada. sounds like he... Oh, Canada? He's he sounds like he's Swedish or something. Nope, he's Canadian. He's from uh, Montreal, though. Oh, he's a French-Canadian. Okay. Mm-hmm. That explains why I'm hearing the accent. Mm-hmm. You should hear him say Reno. Um, if you like the show, tell a friend. We would like to have more listeners. More listeners mean more Patreon patrons. More Patreon patrons mean we can pay the bills. Bills are good to pay, especially when you're hosting a webcast show like this. It is really helpful... Please go there. Please help out. Please visit the Patreon site. Please leave the comments. Please send emails if you have questions. The cast and crew are always open and nice to people. Except to Susan, because Susan is a dick. No, sit down. We are not done yet. Sit down. <laughs> Good boy. The more you love someone, the more you want to kill them. <laughs> and lastly, if you would like to join our Telegram channel and you're 18. Seriously. Be 18. Go to our show site for whatitsworth.com. There's a link in the corner. If you are not 18 and you join, you're going to ruin it for everybody. And we will lock the chat. Please don't do this. We don't really want to do it. We don't want to deal with lawyers either. But that wins. So join and be an adult. Okay. Ranji, pimp yourself. Um, Hello, my name is Ranji and I am currently single. I am looking for an attractive female fox. Or rabbit, or some. Oh, did you not mean that kind of pimping? Whatever you want to share with the audience is a parting way. Okay, I'm still on my world tour. I'm hoping for Iron Maiden next month in India. Um, I hope to see some of you on tour. 
Sounds good. Sounds good. We got to get you to do your segment again for us. Yes, I have missed my neighborhood. I don't even know if the rent control department is still there. We should check <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Rogers' neighborhood in the hood. Yo. <laughs> okay, so right here's where we normally announce the next episode. Um, Bru didn't decide this with me before we left, so I apologize. I'm going to provisionally say that will be one of two things. However, I think it's going to be the first thing, so don't send emails for the second thing. The first thing is we're going to have Donald Trump on the show. Now, before anyone freaks out and goes, really? I do not mean Kim Jong Orange. I do mean someone who sounds a lot like Kim Jong Orange, and he spells his name D O N U L D T R U M M P. So, this is going to be the political episode wherein Donald Trump will answer your questions. Oh, my God. Yes. If it's not that, then it'll probably be video games in the fandom. Again. Because those are such related subjects. No, you haven't done it this season. So, um, send your emails provisionally. For Donald Trump, once you check our Twitter in a couple days, and I can confirm he's going to be on. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So we'll, we'll share information in our Telegram, Twitter, and Rue will post it to Facebook. You're going to love it. It could be huge. It could be the best show. It is, and they were even broadcasted in China. <laughs> in Virginia, China? All right, that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> The end. The end. So, this is Tugs. And Koru. And this is Roger saying, please come again. (laughs) And you've been listening to For For What what It's it's Worth. worth. We did it.